Welcome to Spoilers Intended, a podcast about series, novels, and films. For this episode, we're all about destroying the bed, seeing concerts instead, and shouting words better left unsaid. That's right, we're talking Pixar's Turning Red. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Stephen Ford, joined as always by Andrew Knuckles. Hello there. And Joel Killingsworth. Hello. So, guys, we are here to talk a little bit about Turning Red, Mm -hmm. Pixar's latest release. Yep. Streaming only, which is an interesting choice. Weird and kind of sad. Uh, A little bit. We'll we'll go into that, I think. That's going to come up, I think. Some of the, possibly the thoughts behind why or conspiracy theories or fan theories or however you want I to mean, do it. I mean, it's probably just because they're working on two films. They have Lightyear, um, which is True. more than likely a, a flagship for Pixar. I'm very interested. I mean, obviously it concerns flagship characters, but I'm very interested to see how or where that's going to go. Yeah, that, that's interesting too, because it it if you just look at it on the surface, it's a spinoff, which historically has not been something that is necessarily given a lot of budget or attention, mm-hmm. but it's a completely fresh take on the character because he's not a toy, obviously. Yeah, he's just a person. With, right? One would assume he's not a toy. Right. Oh, oh it's a twist. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Imagine Shyamalan, is that you? This is, this, these are, these are all of the toy Buzz Lightyear's memories in a flashback. <laughs> or, or maybe the whole they'll have a toy Woody's, like, like Woody dolls in the film. So then it's just like this weird metaverse. <laughs> Oh, he like, he, he leaves his daughter with her toy Woody doll and then he goes off into space and he hits like the, the 2001 monolith. And then you have like the whole, he becomes a baby, becomes whatever, becomes a toy. It's like, oh wow, Pixar universe is weird. <laughs> well, so there's actually a online, um, for a couple of years now, there's been like a whole, um, kind of, um, conspiracy theory that all of the Pixar films are actually taking place in the same universe. Yes. And it's just different timelines. Well, I mean the, the, uh, the pizza trucks in almost every one of them. Yeah, there's, the there are several, story. several pieces that follow through. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's kind of where a lot of it gets, um, uh, kind of, um, uh, hooked in for like, you know, like connecting all the threads yeah. Yeah. of, you know, the, the Charlie day mm-hmm. just staring you, you at the board. Go, you have to go very red string theory here to, mm-hmm. to make it all come together. Just don't spray paint your floor. You weirdos. <laughs> That's a Batman reference. That was a Batman for those who reference for the, um, for the uninitiated. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to, we're going to refocus ourselves off of the little diversion there and not yet digging into turning red, but relevant to the topic, uh, for our little quick intro bit, we're going to talk about bands and music and formative years. So we're talking teenage years and who your favorite band was. Okay. Who was the band that you most wanted to see or that you were blasting? You knew you had every album, you knew every song. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let, yeah, okay. I'm just really intrigued. I'm going to let Joel go first. Okay. I actually am kind of curious. I have, very, I, cause I, I could have told you what yours was, but I haven't done here. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, do. yeah, we, we've talked about it multiple yeah, times. Yeah. We've talked music a lot. I, I'm really interested to hear Joel's. Right. So for me, most of my musical tastes coming into, you know, the, the middle school years was formed mm. by the taste of my older brother. And, you know, I would go on car rides right. with him and he was, he was significantly older than me. Um, and so 
Give me like, a give me an age gap. I'm curious. Uh, eleven years. Okay, yeah, that's that yeah. oh, that is the significant yeah. gap. Yeah. And so, so like he would he would be driving the car, playing his music, and you know, I'd just be sitting in the back, you know, soaking yeah. it up, you know, because he's my box. he's my older brother, and he's really cool, right? Yeah. So, uh, but it wasn't until kind of mid teens that I started really kind of getting my own musical taste that was sort of distinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, I would have to say that the the largest through line in that era would be Lincoln Park. Okay, that's a great pick. And, yeah, that is a great pick. And uh, particularly the Meteora and is. Hybrid Theory albums. <laughs> there it is. And uh, those two albums, I would just back-to-back blast every day doing math homework just for like two years straight. Okay, yeah. Uh, Meteora is one of, the, uh, one of the short list albums for me that I can start it from, from just like track one and listen to it all the way through without ever like thinking about the like oh i need to skip this song yeah. or oh i need to um oh, i want to listen to this one first you know that kind of thing where it's it is such a fantastic album i'm not a i'm not the biggest fan of hybrid theory i mean i know all the songs because mm-hmm. you know I, I grew up around that time too but it's really more the meteora with um i think session is probably my my all-time favorite track by them it doesn't even have any vocals on it yeah. it's just a really good kind of like a um a scratch track i don't mm-hmm. know how to describe it um and there's never really been anything else like it that at least that i've heard it was it was definitely unique for the time mm-hmm. and possibly a one-off i'm not actually sure um, yeah well i know they, they never did anything else similar to that similar but to that, no they i know that they like i've just never really found any other like artists that do that kind of thing in the same like uh, like energy and, and yeah. um, feel. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, in that vein, Joel, what is your favorite song? What oh, is what man. is the one that you so, just go so to? So like they they it's it's one the whole album is one piece. Right. Right. In my memory. So, um, but I. You make me have to, have to look, have to look up names. Because those are the best the best <laughs> albums because you don't always get that feeling when you hear songs on the radio where mm-hmm. one, you know, track five and track six, like track five trails off into the intro that is actually track six. Yeah. Those are the best constructed albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that immediately jumps to my mind, of course, is Evanescence. Yeah. Not yeah. not my contender for this topic, but they had they had one where the violin piece trailed out and then it immediately picked up into mm-hmm. the next one. I was like, oh, that was really well done. So, so my, my favorite single track is actually not on Meteora. It's on Hybrid Theory. Okay, and that's, that's fair. That's Go in ahead. the end. Okay. No, that's good on you. A total, total classic. Yeah. That, I mean, it's, especially around, like, for bands around that time, there were so many, there were so many, like, like really good hits mm-hmm. for all, of, like, uh, like, Linkin Park is definitely one of them. Evanescence is another where they had, um, and Evanescence didn't really have a, a long-standing career for like, I'll say like being in the spotlight for popular. No, they were, right. they like were they had, very they had, word. Their debut album was Fire and their follow-up album was okay and they just have not hit that quality again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with Linkin Park, they just had so many like radio songs mm-hmm. that just would always be on the radio that you could, on any kind of alternative radio station or anything like that. Oh, yeah. And it's just fantastic. Well, we're going to carry on in the same thread here. I'm going to pass this off to Andrew. So we're actually just going um, from youngest to oldest at this point because I'm, I'm... We the, are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am the middle. You're the middle child here. Okay, so... Um, the middle only child. Going with um, pure... Um, uh, uh, what's, what is the word? I don't even know the word. Um, but Turning Red is about a 13-year-old um, kind of... Nostalgia? Uh, is that what you're looking for? I guess. Um, but about a 13-year-old in eighth grade kind of um, 
uh, wanting to go to a concert and do all these do all these things, you mm -hmm. know, that the 13-year-old wants to do. And um, my band um, is The Offspring, which was um, formative for me. One, because this was like the first, like, I'll say, like, kind of punk rock band that I ever really listened to. Um, I never, I didn't listen to like the Ramones or Sex Pistols or anything like that. Until Any like the after, real classic punk yeah, bands. Yeah. Until after I'd already um, listened to The Offspring for a couple of years. And um, whenever in eighth grade, this was, for me, this was right when Napster kind of became big. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so this was the dawn of of people downloading MP3s and, and <laughs> um, having access to all of these different artists that you never really had access to if you didn't have the money to go buy the CDs. Mm -hmm. And well, and then you would go buy a CD and there'd be two good songs that you liked on it and the rest was just kind of, eh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and at this point, The Offspring had already had, I think, three albums. And um, they were, were so um, interested in the, um, the downloading of music kind of um, thing. They, they went the opposite direction that Metallica did whenever um, all of their stuff was getting downloaded for free and trying to sue Napster. Offspring was like, how about you just have our songs for free? Mm -hmm. And um, that all, you know, true punk, right? <laughs> uh, you know, they want to, um, they're like, you know what? We, we get our money from, from uh, touring and they were definitely touring a lot at and, this time. merch or whatever. Yeah, else, so, yeah. you know, here, have our songs. Why not? And they unfortunately i i kind of missed out on going to see them in concert at warp tour um they they came to atlanta one time and then another time in dallas uh pretty much all the way up until 2016 i think uh whenever they were um i, I need to look up the actual date but it was the 25th anniversary of their smash album mm -hmm. which is uh, one of their their most popular ones and they went to we went to the masquerade in atlanta we drove pretty much like straight from work straight there bad religion was opening for them which is another one of my oh, favorite wow. punk yeah, bands that's a good one and we we got there right when bad religion came on and then offspring plays the entire smash album front to back mm -hmm. and then they come out and just you know just then hit their their biggest hits of the time mm -hmm. with you know kids aren't all right and um uh, come out and play and just so many great songs gotta keep them it separated was, oh, man it was such a good <laughs> concert that um uh, very uh, very similar light to kind of how turning red um like hype levels mm -hmm. it was and that like that was probably my favorite concert i've ever been to and um just because like they're also my favorite band and that was my first time i actually got to see them in concert mm -hmm. okay well, that's cool well so now that we have discussed the music that my sister refers to as angry white boy music <laughs> because that is absolutely i, I actually was because I, I knew you were going to pick Offspring. I did not know what Joel was going to pick. And he did it. I was like, oh, this is perfect. Y'all are both on the same track. I am going to switch gears really hard, but also similar, because this is all stuff that was introduced to me by my older sister. And this is, this is kind of an interesting thing, because Joel has this huge, you know, like an 11-year gap is a pretty significant gap. Yeah. Uh, Andrew's an only child. Yep. And then I have a, a sister who's five years older. So it's, it's not as big a gap. But, but you're also older. Uh, but I'm than also us. older than y'all, so it's this weird level of of separation because the music that she was kind of introducing me to would have been stuff like Ben Folds Five. Uh, they might be giants, mm -hmm. and then my, I know they might be giants. I don't even know that first one. Oh, you don't know Ben? Oh, well, I'll have to. I'll have to play some music at some point. Uh, they're really cool. Don't see them in concert, but it's okay. <laughs> Actually, you can't see them in concert. They don't exist. Ben Folds is still out touring. He's great. Uh, his 
I think bassist was just kind of a dork. Anyways, <laughs> carrying on. Sorry, old stories. Uh, but for me, the one that really stuck out and stuck with me was Jump Little Children, which is also a really weird name for a band. Uh, but they were kind of this uh, very, it's very hipster stuff. Like they have, they have bass, but it's an upright bass. It's not a mm-hmm, bass mm-hmm. as you would expect. Do it. they have horns like a ska band? They do not. And I'm actually kind of thankful for that. But, you know, one of the, one of the main uh, players, their main central, I'm going to struggle to name names, but one of the central pieces of the band plays basically everything. Mm-hmm. You know, in some, in some songs, he's on guitar. Some songs, he's on uh, a ukulele or a mandolin or uh, a guitar or uh, the Irish tin whistle. Not kidding. That is very hip. Oh, no, it is. It is. It is. And it was, this was, you know, late 90s this is pre that term really kind of existing in the form that does hip, now hipster even existed back then. i mean i'm I mean, sure they it did they did it wasn't in that connotation right uh so the music is very different they have very varied i mean they have a, several songs that are spoken word style not sung mm-hmm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. uh so it's very very different stuff especially from what y'all have been referencing but uh, i actually got to see them uh, here at City Stages back when it existed when I was in eighth grade and didn't really appreciate what I was getting because again it was my we were I was there with my sister and she was not necessarily like I didn't have great musical interests at that point so she was going to take me to what she wanted to see and that's what we got uh, but it stuck with me and they had a couple of albums uh, magazine and In the Dim and Dark or mm-hmm. In the Dim and the Dark that just really really stuck with me forever and then by the time I was really aware, oh, I just really love this music, they broke up. And I was like, oh, this is like crushing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so my my turning red moment actually didn't happen until I was out of college and working a job when they came back together for a reunion tour. And uh, they only had five stops. They're, they're a Southeast band. I think they formed in Charleston. Oh, so you kind of lucked out then. Yeah. So, so it helps that their touring locations were all just the Southeast because mm-hmm. they were going to pitch to their fan base. Yeah. So they hit, you know, Atlanta, Charleston, Columbia, you know, just southeastern locations. And we just, we were, my uh, college roommate and I were trying to hype ourselves up to drop $300 on a festival in South Carolina where, because they're kind of hipster-esque, all these bands we did not care about were playing and then they were going to be there. (laughs) And then we just lucked into face value, like $25 tickets in Atlanta where it was like on a Thursday night and we just, you know, got off work, drove over, did the concert. And, you know, we're classic. We're like mid twenties. We're like just the, just the point we're dropping almost six hours of driving and attending like a three hour concert and then turn around, get up and go to work the next morning is a little hard. Yeah. And just kind of like the last hurrah of, you know, the youth, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, but they did end up sticking together for a little while longer and I was able to see him again in another really great year. I didn't have to go anywhere. It's so nice concert which i appreciate because they have since broken up again so yeah. it's one of those things where it's like oh, you, we have to go or you just don't know so mm-hmm. the because you mentioned city stages uh, i remember the last city stages that um that i went to mm-hmm. or maybe the second last i don't know I, but it was um evanescence maroon five um i think maroon five was the shaper eye center or is it no no they played they may have played the year after but they were in they were at city stages or was it the kid rockier that, that was kid rockier with switchfoot oh gosh i remember that yeah <laughs> but um but no this was evanescence and shinedown for the uh, yeah. for the major stage the, it was like the coca-cola <laughs> stage yeah, or yeah. Man, that was a fantastic that concert. was great i i actually do think maroon five was at that show 
I could I I could believe it because I, I, I wasn't into them at the time. I so. think the weather turned bad, not like mm-hmm. bad bad, but kind of bad. Mm-hmm. And we were like in one of the parking decks, just listening to because we couldn't really be down in yeah the, the stand or not the stands, but on the streets. Mm-hmm. That's uh, where I was. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> but yeah, no. I I honestly, for the age I was, City Stages was not nearly appreciated enough for what it was. Yeah, well, now that you don't have it. Now that it's gone. Well, it's just, you know. All the major musical festivals that they tried to put on around here failed miserably. I mean, Schaefer Ice Center, actually, the Crawfish Bowl was pretty the, popular the, for a while. The Crawfish Bowl lived and I mean, City Stages was popular for well over a decade. And Crawfish Bowl went maybe, what, a decade past that? Mm-hmm. And then it petered out. Yeah. And I think the only really big event here was the Sloss. Um, yeah, Sloss Fest. Sloss Fest that I, I mean, pandemic may have killed it i don't know yeah i don't know i hope not but anyways after that little <laughs> delightful diversion into our local music scene and music festivals of which there are None. very few <laughs> it is time to move forward into the meat of the show we're talking pixar's turning red just hit streaming recently on disney plus and to kick us off i'm gonna pass this off to joel to give us a little synopsis okay so Synopsis of Turning Red. It's the thing that always happens that he never is ready for. Right. So what we have is we have uh, uh, a 13-year-old girl protagonist who Mm -hmm. is a straight-A student, does everything perfectly, is kind of the the model uh, daughter for her mother who we find out very early puts a lot of pressure on her to, Mm -hmm. to be perfect and uh, be supportive of the family and everything to the exclusion of kind of really developing any sort of personality outside of that relationship and, and getting to spend time with friends yeah, yeah. and it, it's basically her, her school results being the perfect daughter for her mother and then whatever else time she can fit in on the side for her, her friends or essentially herself. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so we, we have kind of two, two things going on where the friend group, um, all is really excited about this band that they all love uh, performing a concert in their city. And so they're trying to figure out a way for all of them to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the side, we have a ancient um, magical blessing to uh, the protagonist's family where all of the women directly descended from the the originator of, of the magic um, when they become uh, adults. Uh, have the ability to transform into giant red pandas. Yes. And so <laughs> you kind of throw, you know, you take this kind of uh, relatable uh, family dynamic Sli- centered slice of life, slice of life kind of almost thing, yeah. kind of thing. And then you're just like, oh, by the way, half of the characters can turn into pandas. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. So that's, this was not the movie I thought we were watching, but that is the selling point in the trailers is that she turns into a panda. Yes. So after that, Obviously, hijinks ensue. Definitely hijinks ensue. Lots of hijinks. (laughs) So what did we end up giving this for our review score? And just as a reminder, this is based off of our four pillars of review. I'm going to steal Joel's term there. So this is the spectacle, performance, the score, and the plot. So this is kind of a technical look at the movie. Uh, For our review score, we gave this a 7.4. Quite respectable. That That is not... Uh, maybe not as high flying as some might hope. Uh, it is also certainly not bad. Correct. Yeah. Andrew's, Andrew's <laughs> over here. Uh. 
He has I, I have words that I cannot <laughs> say until we get into the spoiler section well, of the, well, of I the mean, show. Normally, this is a section. Uh, I think, well, do we want to add entertainment on top of that real quick? Yeah. So for entertainment, which we score separately as a subjective experience score, and mm-hmm. you know, you can have something that is really good technically, but maybe just kind of dry and you didn't really enjoy it. Or conversely, you can have something that's just objectively bad, but you just love it anyway. It's just junk food. Uh, yeah. So these scores are not necessarily correlated. Um, so we said we gave it a 7.4 on the technical review and on entertainment, it's actually quite a bit lower. Um, we collectively gave that a 6.3. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that big. That is yeah, blasphemous. This is, so this is actually, I think the first that we've done where we've had this big, a mm-hmm. shift in the two scores, whether, cause we've had some where the scores have be, both been bad and we've had some where the scores have both been good, but yeah. we haven't really had, and this even at a 6.3, I wouldn't say that it is a bad score. It's just not, certainly not as respectable as a 7 plus. Yeah. And, I, and I would say, <clears throat> to kind of comment on that, that, that it's, it's, there is a, a bit of unfairness in it because uh, we, are, we are not the target audience for, for this film. And so there are themes in here, speaking just for myself, that were were technically executed fine but they just did not resonate with me and my mm-hmm. experience and so did not contribute to my enjoyment of the film as a piece of entertainment right okay so I, andrew is over here vibrating <laughs> i just i want to i want to float this out here i want to float out a theory for y'all that i've been kind of cogitating on uh-huh. and i wonder if the order of release of movies has hurt the score here because when I was writing out my thoughts, I kept going back to an earlier Disney movie, Encanto. Yeah. And I wonder if the release order of these movies were reversed. We might be in a situation where we're talking about Encanto now and the score isn't as high because we're saying, well, we've already seen some of these things as, as they were executed and this feels like a, not a, maybe not a clone, but maybe just a, a stamp off the same mold. Mm-hmm. Because while the the overarching story is obviously very different, right, between yeah. the two, without jumping into spoilers or anything like that, some of the themes are very similar, mm-hmm. and kind of the the scale of the story is is fairly similar for most of it. For most y- of it, yes, I w- I would say the scale of the story is almost identical, but that that's actually a problem. Potentially, and yeah. that uh, that'll probably be something yeah. for a little a little later discussion. So, uh, Andrew, you want to you want to jump in? You want to add some thoughts? Here? I think you're both wrong. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> that's that's very possible. I I think the scale for this this film was um, uh, substantially larger in basically everything for scope of what you're kind of experiencing on on an emotional level and on an intimacy level with with the characters. Okay. Um, the, the other thing is too, is like, I understand that, you know, we're basically all mid thirties white guys. Mm -hmm. Like I understand that. And, and you guys said that we're not the, the target audience here. Um, and generally the, the goal of films and obviously, you know, it's going to resonate different with differently with everyone, but the goal of films is to bring you into another character and help you feel what they're feeling and experience what they're experiencing. 
And um, just because you're a you know a mid thirties white guy that has a podcast doesn't mean that <laughs> um, that you can't resonate with it. And I definitely did. Okay, well, I mean, I mean and, that's, and totally, that's fair. totally fair too. And 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 you're correct in the one of the best ways that fiction can be used is in broadening your perspective and making mm-hmm. you see other points of view. But like at the same time, you've you've got to have a starting place. And in in my experience, like drawing from my life the hooks that they were using didn't have much to catch on. Yeah, well, okay, so like, you know, there's there's going to be, um, like you have to have similar experiences. Mm-hmm. And like kind of what I was explaining, you know, at the beginning of the the show, talking about the offspring and not being able to go to concerts yeah, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. and all these other kind of extraneous things where like, a, like music to me, especially at that time, was so important mm-hmm. because I was experiencing new music that I just never had access to because of of online downloading and, and, you know, because I was a kid, I don't have these, this kind of money mm-hmm. to go buy CDs or, you know, maybe my parents didn't want me to buy certain, certain content CDs. And, you like know, the Wal- Walmart put a, put a label on that CD and now your mom didn't want you to yeah. look at it. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and those kind of, those kind of experiences kind of add up into um, those, those moments where you look at, oh man, I'd love to go see these guys in, live because they're just like they're kind of more of like this golden this kind of golden goose that is just kind of like above kind of hanging around you mm-hmm. because you don't that's unobtainable yeah for for what that is and if you've never had that experience before or those kind of emotions of of like not being able to go see a movie that you really wanted to go see at the time and then you know a couple of years later you finally get to go see it um, and it doesn't matter if the movie was good or bad it just like you just didn't get to have that mm-hmm. so then watching someone else go through that you can you can empathize with them a lot more. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like Joel, you know, you've kind of said, you know, in the past that, you know, music wasn't a massive part of your, uh, like going to concerts is just right, not your yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, Stephen doesn't like reliving high school. Well, so, and, and sticking to the music side of things, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I kind of alluded to it in my little my little spiel about being introduced to it. When I was going to the, like, we, my family went to city stages every year and my parents went and saw what they wanted to see. And it was my sister and I, right? Mm-hmm. So I had no musical opinions. So one, this wasn't, you know, unobtainium. It was just there. It was just, it was a hot summer day <laughs> yeah. or two where I followed my sister around and we kind of saw what she wanted to see. Right. So I didn't really have one, the moment of, oh, I just have to see this because I love it. And also this. I can't get to it because it was it was kind of being force fed to me, and I almost didn't want to be there. If that makes sense? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, and I totally get that. So when I was growing up, both of my parents are musicians. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, that's true. Um, my my dad's a jazz, jazz drummer, um, mm-hmm. and he's been he's played with um, a lot of the the southern greats like Cleve Eaton. Um, I mean, there's just there's they have a lot of experience right. playing with with people that that I would have access to, and I grew up not liking jazz and not liking classical music. Go figure, because I was ex- I was just exposed to it so mm-hmm. much that you know it, there's there's going to be that kind of kid level of resistance of well I don't want this why are you giving me this I want to I want to be a punk I want to <laughs> listen to rock music and and those kind of those kind of experiences really help at least me relate to to turning red quite a bit yeah because there is this level of you know, you know, obviously her mom 
um, in the film is very not overbearing, but very protective of. Well, yeah, and, the, and, well, and an element of overbearing because because yeah. I think I think there's there's a definite through line. I'm still trying to skirt and not do spoilers, yeah, spoilers. but there's yeah. but there's a definite through line of a, a theme of generational family issues mm-hmm. where where the you know one generation. Uh, had a particular flaw that in their parenting style for the next generation, which then when that generation grew up, that's that's what they pulled on as their breadth of knowledge for how to raise their own child. And so it that continued that, down that parenting style flaw can kind of propagates. Yeah. And that's that's really my favorite theme out of out of the movie is is looking at and examining inherited uh, behavioral problems. Yeah, well, mm. okay, so like kind of going off of that, you know, we've talked about Encanto and like that is kind of the opposite of what's happening with this film. Like so Encanto the grandmother is basically just the antagonist and she is she's basically just holding the weight of expectations on everyone, but it is not generational to the point of her parents are also doing the same thing to Mirabel. We're, but they're also not stopping it. They're they're not. Well, they're, it, it it is it is it's definitely a different dynamic, but mm. it's the same theme, because the 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 theme is generational family conflict and dis, and dysfunction. Um, the dynamic in Encanto is you have a multi generational household, mm-hmm. whereas in Turning Red you do not. You just mm-hmm. have because because the 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 higher generations do not live with them, and yeah. so. The dynamic and and therefore kind of the the buffering is different. You have a matriarch who is actively running the whole family in one because they're all in the same place, mm-hmm. and you have a matriarch who is who is is, well, who dist- is distantly who has influenced who has influenced yeah. through through basically her Miami. own misgivings. Yeah, um, just but, throwing that out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically, I one I think um, six point three is way too low for an entertainment score. It's, it's but the thing is there is no too high or too low for entertainment because it's entirely subjective. That's fine. I you am, can be we, wrong. We are we no actually we literally can't <laughs> because we're <laughs> we're reporting our subjective experience. Well, if you want to talk about right and wrong, we have to talk about the technical score, not the entertainment score. That's fine. That's still too low anyways, but okay, I mean, yeah, that's fair. It is at least a little <laughs> bit more palatable. I almost want to like suggest andrew throws out his entertainment score as a as a basis point no explanation behind it but as a basis i mean point i can comparison. i don't know if that's a wise idea or not at this point that's whatever you want to do i gave it a nine okay that's fair mm-hmm. yeah so if you if you can just do a little bit of quick math they're both both of their entertainment scores are vastly very low we already explained why <laughs> like <laughs> a bit yeah we'll get so. more into that as we move Further and and also like oh oh Joel's got something to say so when I started out and I said that looking at it from my perspective was almost a little unfair Mm -hmm. because it was just a miss it's not bad it just missed me yeah and so in the in the purely subjective realm I didn't hold back and I just said it missed me and so this is the number I put down. And and I tried as much as possible to put that aside when looking at the the slightly more objective, you know, pillars of review. And so you see a higher score there. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well. OMG! Fortown is playing spoilers after the intermission. Yay! 
If you liked hanging out with us, check out the rest of our content at spoilersintendedpodcast.com. But if you're too hyped about dreamboats to care about spoilers, then welcome, Four Townie. This show is going to be so great, we're going to let our panda out all over the place. Alrighty, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that quick intermission. Boy band free, we promise. <laughs> <laughs> but now it is time to dive right in. All spoilers all the time. And we are kicking it off with our first of four pillars of technical review. And we're looking at the spectacle. So for this being a animated, I always hesitate to call it animated. It's a, it's a CGI. It's a 3D animated it's 3D animated. The, the animation's going to play a big factor here. These are kind of the the wow factors, the big moments, these kind of things that really stick with you throughout. Or the flip side to this, because this has it, maybe some of the quieter moments that also mm-hmm. hit. Because I think that that is, uh, it's really easy for me to equate spectacle to kind of the deafening Explosions roar. And yeah, but sometimes the, the silent moments in between are actually the moments that really hit harder. Mm-hmm. So I, I do want to make sure that I, I bring that up before we dive into this. And I don't know which way I want to hand this off. I'm going to give it to Andrew. <laughs> uh, so I gave Spectacle an eight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I thought the, um, the overall visual style was really, was really fun and different than what Pixar is normally used to. It is definitely different. So definitely I different. don't think it's fair. Like it's the same studio, but, Whenever you compare stuff to, I'll say, like, Toy Story 4, mm-hmm. which was an objectively beautiful film. They they have very, like, di- basically, like, new, uh, almost every Pixar film, they come out with new technology mm-hmm. and new render techniques that that make the light bounce better. Mm-hmm. And you know, do all these other, you know, kind of technical things that, um, like, Toy Story 4 was, a, one, a great film, but then, two, it's a very visually fantastic film, like, the... Um, the way that the the ray tracing and everything is kind of done, especially off of um, uh, Bo Peep and her like porcelain mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like doll form is just really, I mean, it's just really impressive. This is not that film. This is no. um, is going to be more standard fare towards uh, something like Encanto or like Disney um, is what is kind of what they're used to yeah. coming out with. So well, like if you even go back to Onward, which is the the last Pixar film I've seen. I haven't seen Luca yet. Um, but if you go back to like Onward, it's a very different kind of tactile feel for the characters mm-hmm. compared to something like uh, um, Incredibles, where mm-hmm. it's it's more of a standard kind of CGI style, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. No, no, I'm with you. And I think, again, we're going to make a lot of comparisons to Encanto. I think it's just inevitable because it is the most recent yeah, Disney film in this kind of this realm. But it's two different studios. It, it is two different studios and it is interesting to see the differences. I do think they picked maybe a little, I don't want to call it flatter, but it's a more muted color palette with turning red than you saw with, and Kanto had a lot of color. Yeah, well, and that that's part of the, I mean, that's part of the the culture. Right, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's more very, celebration. Very setting, setting it's more oriented. celebration of the setting. And I'm not saying that this is a bad choice for turning mm-hmm. red here. I'm just saying this is this is just kind of one of those differences I noticed where things are. It, ultimately, it's just more. It's just. I mean, it's an early 2000s Toronto. It's just that's just how it's going to look, right? Like, yeah. like if you want to portray it, that's what what you end up. with. Well, and and so with with that 
you have like, you know, so you say the the color style is a little bit more muted and mm. it's really more that it's more realistic. Realistic, yes. Because Encanto is, is placed in this this isolated village, which is literally just magical. Mm-hmm. And with magic generally comes very bright, vibrant colors. And in real life, I mean, even like even in the early 2000s, it really wasn't that bright and and vibrant in everyday life. No. Well, and especially on just, and I, I wouldn't call the setting, I don't, it's not winter. They're not dressed like, I mean, it's Toronto. If it was winter, we would know it. But just kind of <laughs> the, the, just a standard day where it's, you know, it's just bright sun. Everything just is going to naturally look, if it's, if you're going for realism, there's mm-hmm. a little bit of washing out effect. And, and we get that. And that's not a bad thing. It's just an accurate representation of what's yeah. going on. And um, the one thing that I, I really did enjoy, and, and I, this is kind of more personal taste, I think, for for a lot of people, is like I enjoy Wallace and Gromit, um, mm-hmm. just the kind of like like the big mouth mm-hmm. kind of style. And um, I I thought for this film, it actually worked really well. Uh, it, but you know, if if that's if you're if you're not, if that's not your thing, I totally get it. Well, it's it. So I don't hate it. But I will say that I felt like it was maybe a cheat because for someone my age, your age, like Wallace and Gromit, it's, I mean, it's British comedy, right? It's always kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. So as soon as they enter that, it kind of sets you into the mode of where you're accepting awkward comedy. Like it, you're kind of expecting it at that point yeah. because that's just what we've been conditioned for. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's a cheat in terms of like, oh, that was a cheat move. I'm saying it's a quick way to create an emotion mm-hmm. in, in presumably a target audience. Mm-hmm. And the the other thing that I, I really, really liked about the film was a lot of the the kind of hints and nods to um, uh, to general like animation styles of the of the time mm-hmm. um, for um, mainly for anime. But this is, you know, basically a Chinese family, non-Japanese family, totally different. But they they had um, a couple nods at the end of the film in the big finale where all the aunts basically break all of their um, uh, their panda charms to to turn into pandas mm-hmm. in a a super sentai form. Uh, yeah, it's very which, much so a super team. Uh, like a, yeah, like um, uh, Power Rangers or um, uh, Sailor Ginyu Moon. Force, Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, well, less Sailor Moon because that's more Magical Girl, but there, there's a whole different. But similar concept. Yeah. Of, I'm, I'm trying to hit on stuff that people are going to. Like mm-hmm. recognize right uh, off, but I love I love that. And then they they also turned the film into a kaiju battle yes. at the end, which was <laughs> which was fantastic. And um, you know, like you, they they there were so many like good little hints of one the Asian heritage, um, especially whenever they're in the the bamboo forest, mm-hmm. um, which is mm-hmm. just a general motif for yeah. for that kind of stuff. And I mean, I thought it was very visually pleasing. Um, for the film, especially whenever she did turn into the panda, she was very fluffy. Yeah, uh, which you know that was uh, a, an ongoing theme mm-hmm. for the film. Um, but yeah, Joel. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take it, and we're going to nosedive this all the way down to a seven. I mean, I gave it. A seven. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh no. Yeah, no. I thought that the particularly what struck me the most was the textures mm-hmm. um, in in the animation. I mean, you talked about the fluffy. They did the hair. Great. It was oh, just yeah. fantastic. Mm-hmm. The most impressive texture to me out of the entire film was actually the the sort of plasticky sheen on the mom's car at night. It was there's a very <laughs> boy, we are we a, are picking some. There's a here. very specific reflective property of that material in that kind of ambient light. And it just they did it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And 
that oh, okay. I found. I thought, I thought you were bashing on that. No, 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 no. Because <laughs> no. like this it's one reflection. Yeah, I know. Like, holy crap! Because like, 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 like the the two things that are the hardest to deal with in in three D animation are individual hairs moving yes. and light water. properties of light. Water, water, yeah, water is essentially reflected light. Water and fire are whole different things. Like that's another. All right, so the the four <laughs> things that, <laughs> but anyway, they they just nailed the hair and the textures and and the light reflection and all that so well. So got to give them props for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was not a fan of the Wallace and Gromit style. I didn't. I tried not to knock them for that here. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, also I think a standout moment. You talked about quiet moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, a standout moment of the film that was just like oh was. After Maylin kind of turns her back on her friends and they're she and her mom are riding home in the car and they've got that that camera angle where you're looking in the window from the the oblique angle uh, at her face as she's dealing with the ramifications of what she's done and trying to Mm -hmm. figure out what she's going to do next. And this is a very common shot in slow paced live action films Mm -hmm. where you have the kind of the scenery going by in the reflection of the window. And it's at night, so it's, it's just night. Lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but you very rarely see that in in animation. And I thought that them choosing to use that was really fantastic. Okay, Joel stole my absolute <laughs> favorite moment in there, which was that piece yeah. because again, it is what you see that a lot in quieter live action films and Pixar, Disney. Write this kind of scene down, inject it into my veins, give me <laughs> some of that in a, in an animation like this because that was. That is not just a great piece of directing. That is phenomenal amount of effort to actually render that out because that yeah. scene hits way different than a lot of the other scenes do. Because like like you get that set up from that angle and then it shifts to kind of the more standard inside the car, the car. angle mm-hmm. and the impact immediately goes down. And so you're just kind of drifting on the setup that they had for the mm-hmm. scene. And the whole scene, if it had started from inside the car, would not have had the same. No, they, they they needed to kind of push you, start you rolling down the hill into the into what was happening. So I would say that I mean I did only give it a seven, and my my biggest gripe was actually the kaiju battle. Really? Yeah, like the 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 mom turning into the giant panda um, was because like what I'm looking for at that point is I'm looking for a actual personification through like utilizing the magic to personify exemplify and work through the emotional problems right and and with her being not just outmatched by her mother but comically outmatched by her mother meant that it there was no working through anything exemplified through physical effort Right. So I was looking for a metaphor that they just didn't give me. And 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 then and then visually they did a really weird slow-mo thing where the where she was moving all slow and weird, but her speech was still normal. And they were at the same time trying to make animate the face to look like it was moving slow, but also keep up with her speech. And it just took me completely out of the scene. Interesting. Okay. I, I caught kind of the slow-mo thing where I was kind of like, there's something weird going here. I would never have been able to put it into words. So, But there was something about it that made me go, oh. Yeah. So, Andrew, fine, Andrew set us up. <laughs> Joel took us down a notch. 
And I am just here to just tank it all the way back down to an eight. <laughs> uh, I mean, we hit Joel stole. I, you know, I didn't want to float out. I wanted to to talk about the quiet scene. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have floated it out there in the beginning because then I. I, I mean, I wrote set, it. I wrote it down. I know. I was trying to set myself up, and then Andrew was just like, "Oh, I'll give it to Joel." I was like, "No, he's gonna take it." And then you did <laughs> no. Because yeah, just just seriously, just inject that into my veins. I want more. Of don't that. do it too often though, because then like, it loses we, the impact. Yeah, yeah. We, we need we need some time in between those. But, shots. but when, yeah. when we're saying don't do it too often, like this is the first movie in I don't know how many we've gotten from Disney or Pixar animation that haven't had these. Like like, well, but that's it's I a mean, how, many, how many characters are sitting in a car, you know. After this emotionally devastating no, moment, but you can you can do that with there are other windows in the world. Uh, the opportunity. Exists. I mean, yeah, I mean, you yeah. can do it with the train, you can do it with the plane, you can I mean, do it I mean, with. You can the, do it with. <laughs> you can do it with Superman. <laughs> no, you could just do it with like a, a diner window, you're just, you're, or you're just, just even just a house window. You know, the scenery doesn't move. Oh, like by, diner window in the rain, man, is perfect. Right, yeah. right, perfect. But even just uh, the the house window in the rain or at night, the scenery doesn't move by you. The scenery actually moves by you because it's just cars, right? Just the car lights, like yeah. that. Those kind no, of what you can do. I it. know that there's ways know, to do I know. it. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying, don't, don't take twenty plus Pixar movies to give me this kind of thing, and then take another twenty movies before you do it again. I think they did it in the first Toy Story film. I feel like they've done it with a once much or twice. less well rendered. It's not nearly as good yeah. looking. Yeah, no, that was because a lot of the things that we all both kind of hit on textures, hair, these mm-hmm. sort of things, the smoke of the transformation. Oh yeah. Whenever in the, in the classroom for the first mm-hmm. time, that's oh, yeah. fantastic. Mm-hmm. There, there are things where when it's not well done, it's going to stick with you. But when it's done well, it goes right past you because it's just, because yeah, it's just, it looks, yeah, it's it looks awesome. right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's a huge props for them because then we hit this other bit that really stood out to us because it was like, oh, this is something you see in like, I don't want to use the term real movie, but it is the thing that you see in a live action that for the most part, CGI animation has just kind of avoided because it's really hard to do. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to do well. Right. It's a, it's a flex. And Mm -hmm. I like that. I want to see that flex. Uh, I had, I had other things. So there's, this is, this is a weird complaint maybe. Uh, Cause I gave it an eight. Mostly I thought it was well done. Even even if I maybe wasn't all in and it's more of a plot complaint on the kaiju scene, mm-hmm. I like the reference and I think the execution was good. Uh, it creates a lot of plot issues, but we'll leave that for later. Um, the uh, scale was kind of weird at times and I don't know how to describe this. So I, I want to give them props, right? Most CGI, 3D animation style things because rendering is time and time is money. They can feel kind of empty, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen examples, maybe in older CGI, but there, there are certainly examples of even modern CGI where, yeah, you have a room, but it doesn't look like anyone lives there. It's just kind of a room. And this one did a much better job. They had a lot more things. Well, well felt, May's room was like before she turned into the pan and she just and destroyed it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like her room was like felt like it, it felt a like a slice would, of life yeah. anime. Or, or even almost, you know, she sat down to do her homework and it was almost kind of like the, the lo-fi girl YouTube stuff, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that, that was great. The only thing that kind of threw me, and I don't know what drove this, but the scale felt a little weird, especially in her house, like when she comes into the house, because she's not a big girl. And the house kind of almost felt like it was crowded to her scale, much less her parents' scale. And like, I wouldn't have expected, like, 
it's not that they were showing off that it was a cramped house. It just felt like a lot of interiors were like 85% of what I would expect a normal human to live in, if that makes sense. And it felt like that kind of consistently through. And I don't know what I, I drove get, that. I'd have to watch it again with specifically looking towards that. But I, I never noticed anything weird about it. But it just, I it mean, was something that kind of, that noticed. just stuck with me. And like, it's just, it was just odd, right? It wasn't like, oh, this is the word. I mean, I gave it an eight. It wasn't like, oh, you ruined the movie mm-hmm. for me. Uh, it's just one of those things that stuck. Because we, we've hit on a lot of great stuff. And I can just keep throwing out, you know, the various choices or, or you know, like the when they show the home movie and it looks like a home movie in a movie or when the dad's cooking animated oh no when the dad's cooking and the steam and he does mm-hmm. the anime glasses i was yeah. like yeah <laughs> and, then was, and then it was, a great, the it was, it was a really great joke too because then he just takes off the glasses yeah, and cleans, uh, them, uh, cleans the steam yeah. off you know <laughs> no, that was, and, it, and it's it's like a a free shot right there's no no necessary dialogue in yeah that. they well, just and it's, they did it with directing basically. it's kind of a it's kind of um it's helping you into his character too because you can tell he's just by quiet. those shots well he's quiet but he also cares a lot about his cooking mm-hmm. he was they they did a lot of good job with the details mm-hmm. of, of that and i i greatly appreciated that and i like the the kind of the the interesting family dynamic that they played out mm-hmm. in that scene because he's in the kitchen cooking and uh, mother and daughter on the couch and they're they're making the buns, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a mother and daughter activity. Yeah. So you kind of get the family dynamic almost immediately because it's him by himself quietly doing what yeah. he does in the background. Well, it's very much a matriarchal. Right. Well, well the, the mother and daughter are having the, the communal time together. They're still contributing to the meal because they're mm-hmm. making the buns and, you know, May brings the, the buns and he kind of, you know, gives them the scowl. It. Yeah, inspects <laughs> it and passes it. But, but it, kind of kicked off the dynamic right like they didn't have to give you a lot of dialogue of well what is the family like you just had it immediately mm-hmm. and that's that's good yeah more of that kind of thing that that's really good storytelling mm-hmm. yeah so i think we've we've hit on mm-hmm. spectacle a lot yeah so we are going to move forward into the performance so i gave it to andrew to start i'm gonna give it to joel okay so for performance i gave it a seven Okay. I I thought that the standout performance was for the the um the character of the mom Ming uh who's performed by Sandra O oh, mm-hmm. and she gets to do a lot of she she gets to show off a lot of range mm-hmm. in this film. She has uh she has the the overprotective mother angle. She has right. the domineering mother angle and then she also has the um just <laughs> completely cowed daughter angle right the, the, the flip between the two is right. really and, and it's instant it yeah and so and so i mean and, and i'm not here and it's not it's not all on the actress so the actress did a fantastic job but it's it's a mixture of the voice acting and the animation mm-hmm. right uh and and so her character was had a lot of depth and and room to really move around and you to really get a sense of the range that they could that they could get mm-hmm. with her. Um, I would say that my biggest complaint out of the film was actually with the the squad of of girlfriends. Oh, interesting. Okay, because they are every single one of them is just a caricature. They are one thought. Um, whereas you know you've got the um, you got the the overly dramatic one who's mm-hmm. the 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 one who wears purple. And then you've got the the <laughs> the chill one, which is the one who wears yellow. And then you've got uh, the earnest one, you know, the one that wears green. Mm-hmm. And yeah. super sentai. No, 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 just let it go on. Just and, let it go on. And like for 
they there was there was just nothing there, right? They were one note characters, mm-hmm. and so there wasn't any room for acting to to pull anything extra out of that. Okay, that's 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 a take. All right, <laughs> I, I mean, sure. Right, anything else you want to add? No. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it. <laughs> okay. Go I'm gonna ahead. steal all Andrew's points. Uh, so I gave performance an eight mm-hmm. because again, she got the most to work with and they did the most with the combination of voice acting and animation, but Sandra O oh killed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially the flip of, because you immediately see where her personality comes from. Yeah. As soon as it's your mother hits mm-hmm. and, and you see the whole flip, she immediately becomes May. She yeah. becomes the young daughter who's, who's not living up to her mom's expectations and it's terrifying and all this. Uh, I actually really liked the gaggle of teenage of tweens mm-hmm. of teenage girls for the fact that they were one note. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because Beat well, me to it. I I told you I said I was going to see all your notes because at the end of the day, it's not a very long movie. I mean, Hour there and are, half. there are points where it maybe felt long, but it's not a very long movie, and there's only so many characters, there's only so much story to tell, and they don't need whole arcs they don't need they just they're supporting characters they are there to support the story and so immediately providing us with this this perfect archetypal pieces mm-hmm. of and even color coding them so helpfully uh well it just it makes the storytelling easier because you don't have to go super deep into who these people are you just you get their personality and it it carries through and you even get a little extra towards the end where the the earnest the hippie of the mm-hmm. group, heart heart of Captain Planet here uh, <laughs> gets to try to try to be like she's tough and she's well I'm not talking to you anymore and then the the Tamagotchi, the Tamagotchi goes, goes off goes and off. She, she breaks and that was great you know I like that kind of thing because it was it was the moment of I'm not going to be who I am and then she can't do it yeah right she's not capable of doing it because she just she is who she is well and and that's that's just. I mean, like every friends group, especially in high school, you you and very this is, rarely this is middle school. It's even well, more yes, more it, emphatically there. Um, but like middle school and high school, you you very rarely have, com- like basically people that are friends in the same friends group that have very similar personalities, because most of the time that is that is more of a combative kind of environment where. Um, some people will feel that they need to one up each other. It's just because it's high school and middle school, or or you do have that group of friends, and it's high school, and it's all the cheerleaders, and it's it's the, the status then, plays. Yeah, but yeah, but even like like so very most of the time you're going to have people that that mix well, and opposites generally attract. Um, and you're not going to have you know two people that are that are super chill and two people that are you know, very aggressive or, or, you know, a a whole group of people that are all very aggressive because you like when you were a kid and when you're a teenager, you, you try and seek out people that, that you can actually interact with and not someone that is exactly like you. Yeah. Well, and you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put my, my other piece out here. I'm not going to just talk good. I give it an eight Mm -hmm. and ultimately like as good as the mom's performance is, it by itself couldn't carry everything mm-hmm. without either it getting more throughout the whole movie because I think third act they did fall into a little one noteness for a minute and it wasn't great and there was I think missed opportunities for her performance to you know complete the carry if you will 
uh, because ultimately like the chemistry of the, the, the tween gaggle was good, but like that by itself is, I mean, it's not going to carry the full emotional weight of this. You need the mother daughter emotional weight Mm -hmm. and no one else really just got the opportunity to, to push that over the hill to get this into like what I would have given like a nine or a 10 kind of level. So just throwing that out there just before we get to Andrew, because I know what's coming. (laughs) Uh, So I gave an eight for for performance and um, we haven't talked about um, May yet. No, Uh, we really haven't. Rosalia Chang honestly did a fantastic job. I thought she Mm -hmm. um, throughout the film, especially towards the end where she, she finally got to show her emotions to her mother and and express those in either ways of um, mild violence or or general empathy whenever um, they basically all go uh, kind of to the spirit world mm-hmm. and and she is confronting her mom's younger self mm-hmm. that had just injured her mom mm-hmm. and you you really get a lot of the the emotion that that she's carried and that she's also learned from over the past you know handful of weeks while she's, you know, having to go through this this new change in life mm-hmm. with, you know, finally realizing where her mother was coming from and then accepting the fact that, you know, not everyone is perfect and everyone has these kind of thoughts, you know, maybe towards their parents or their friends or or whatever. And you really, I thought you really got that um um carried over really well from her performance mm-hmm. yeah. as May. I didn't want to take everything from you. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, like she, I mean, like she's the main character and Mm -hmm. I thought the casting choice for her was just fantastic. And I think the flip that we get from like when we're kind of first introduced to her and she's on her own and she's got kind of the, the big, bold, confident personality. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as she starts interacting with people, she kind of gets smaller. Mm -hmm. And then when she hits her mother, she just becomes the mini me clone. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a great transition of really showing, you know, it's, it is the, the overbearing or the overprotective, the, the drive or the pressure for perfection mm-hmm. and the closer she gets to the the center of all of that, the more she kind of shrinks in on herself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause and, you know, at the beginning she is in control. She is mm-hmm. like, she is the center of the group. Yeah. I mean, she, well, and even, even before she gets to her friends, you know, like before she goes to the high school. So, uh, middle school. Oh, sorry. Middle school. It's so <laughs> hard. Yeah. She's right there. So flip this, right? So we go to Spider-Verse. Right. Okay. And you know, how does oh, Miles, yeah. how does Miles, you know, he, he starts out and he's super confident on the street going along, knows everybody, blah, 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 blah. And then the wheels come off the bus and his dad picks him up and now he goes into unfamiliar territory and like, he doesn't, he doesn't want this ride. He doesn't want to be at the school. Everything is awkward and bad. Right. For her, it was kind of the flip side. The further mm-hmm. she got from her home, home as she's going, the confidence is building, you know, bust out the transit card, riding the, the, trolley on her own mm-hmm. hits high school hey how's it going what's up knows everybody fits in perfectly middle I, school golly <laughs> <laughs> middle school sorry my middle school didn't look anything like that that's what my high school looked like so <laughs> it's it's hard to uh break yeah. that like my middle school did not have lockers those those were not a thing really oak yeah. mountain had lockers man my entire Middle school, and when I say middle school, I want to emphasize this is eighth grade to kindergarten was not 200 kids. My whole eighth grade class was 18. Wow. I didn't, I, okay. Well, I, and I, then, then I went to high school 
and my grade was 350 people. Yeah. It was a huge difference. So like, yeah, those kinds of hallways with the lockers on the side, mm-hmm. that's always just going to be high school to me because my middle school didn't look anything like that. Okay, fair. Carry on. So sorry, not to not to go off on a tangent or digress. But uh, but yeah, I like that kind of looking at it from you know past experience yeah. and the flip because it, it feeds into both stories really well and how the characters are going to progress. Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm, I'm trying to avoid the plottiness of it and more talk about the execution of it. Mm-hmm. From the care from the performance perspective, but yeah, yeah. Um, I just wanted to um, give one final shout out for, to uh, to James Hong as um, he has basically been in uh, every Asian oriented role since um, uh, Big Trouble Little China. I think he's Who been is in, he in Big Trouble Little China. Is he? Uh, oh man, it's been so long since I've seen it. He's not the emperor. No, but he was no, in Mulan. He's, no, he's. Uh... Oh gosh, the main character in Big Trouble. I can see his face and I just blank. <laughs> it's he's, been so long. He's the so. like the friend that he goes to for help, I think. I believe so. Yeah, anyways, bad. Um, that's, that's yeah, totally, but, that, we're, yeah, we're reaching way back I mean, to like he, the 80s here. Yeah, I mean, he's been in Mulan. He was the um, the father in Kung Fu Panda. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's just been in a lot of stuff and it's always fun seeing him in, in these kind of roles where he's, he's not a main character, um, but he's, he, you know, he always plays the really good little eccentric Yes. Kind of, kind of side kind character. Of, kind of quirky dude. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he's going to nail that every time. Mm-hmm. And even like, not necessarily that, but like the, you know, like scribe Mulan is a very different flip for what he is here. Cause you know, Mulan, Mulan is an antagonist. Yeah. He's, he's, he's antagonizing and he's the, he's the perfect imperial bureaucrat. Mm-hmm. And here he actually kind of defers to the bureaucrat. Yeah. In a sense. Well, and we'll get into that in plot. We're not there yet. Speaking of, we're going to move forward into the score. The score of the, the score, score. The score of the score. So this is the music and how well we thought it did. Generally speaking, does it help or harm scenes or is it just kind of there? And I'm going to start because sure. I've been handing off to y'all. I gave score an eight. Okay. And I really liked the blend of hip hop and tra- what I would consider like a traditional Chinese music mm-hmm. that kind of you, you start with them kind of apart from each other, right? And they, as the movie goes, those two worlds kind of collide. Literally and musically collide. Yep. And I kind of, I could see it coming. The plot kind of shows that it's going to happen in the the initial ritual ceremony. Mm -hmm. Speaking of uh, James Hong, he kind of gives the, he kind of gives it away. Yeah, it's like, Oh yeah, it can be anything you want. But it doesn't. It she likes. She likes. She likes a tradition. It doesn't so matter. What we're doing it doesn't matter time. what you sing, as long as it's from the heart. He said. Yeah. He said. Like I personally prefer, but I don't. I didn't miss, catch what he said. Yeah. I meant to go back and look it up, but but yeah, yeah. You you could see it coming, but I think they did a really good job of executing that blend. Mm-hmm. Because when I say, oh yeah, you know, boy band poppy hip hop, and we're gonna grab us some some traditional. Chinese Chinese music, and we're just going (laughs) to smash that together, and yeah. I thought it was a great mix. No, it was. It it really was. It it, it really, um, you know, because, you know, whenever they're doing the the ritual for the first time, and, you know, it's it's like the very traditional kind Mm -hmm. of kind of thing and then they then they get all the way to the stadium um and um you know the the boy band is still just happens to be there that i would have been gone you know 10 Mm -hmm. years oh yeah right out (laughs) um but clearly they're they're more accepting of a very giant um (laughs) red panda destroying everything that they know and love than anyone else would ever be but Uh, um but the second i said that they're still there i'm like oh i know where this yeah we know where this yeah yeah, we knew where this was gonna go (laughs) Uh, but, you know, props to uh, Ludwig Gordonson, whose name I just butchered. 
he has been, uh, you know, he makes me feel bad because he's a year younger than me. Mm-hmm. And he has scored a lot of movies that I know and love. Yeah. And also, you know, just, you know, little small minor things like, you know, the main theme for The Mandalorian and these, you know, just stuff nobody's <laughs> ever heard of, really. No, uh, not at all. And so it's a little, it's a little, you know, crushing to my own psyche and How ego. do you feel now? See, like, I don't, I don't feel, and I'm not even going to pretend like I have musical talent because I don't. And that's kind of a misnomer because it is something you can work and develop. But the perspective of his accomplishments when he does that hurts a little more because it's it's something I could believably do. Whereas when I like watch you know, like basketball or football or something, I was like, well, I physically can't do that. Yeah, like, I cannot reach that rim. That's not happening. Whereas these things, like, can I hold a guitar? Yeah, I can hold a guitar. You know, like that. So it is it is interesting always to look up people and be like, oh man, they're younger than me. It's like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. Uh, but his stuff has been consistently yeah. fantastic, and I think that carried through. And this was, I think, a good project to tap someone like him on because mm-hmm. looking at the behind the scenes for when he made the sounds for the Mandalorian, he has a really wide range of instruments that he can play and that he's willing to pull and incorporate different things from. Yeah. So when you're trying to blend hip hop and traditional Chinese sounds, that's a good name to tap. So mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to pass this off to, I'll give it to Andrew. I'll just go I, ahead. And, I think. Uh, oh, oh, oh. No, you're absolutely right. You should go to Andrew for this one. Okay. Oh, that's kind of scary. I don't know. I don't know what to expect. <laughs> uh, so I actually gave it a seven. Okay. Um, and basically, I liked it for essentially all the same points that you had. Mm-hmm. And I gave it um, some big knocks because of the fact that the film was advertised with official Backstreet Boys and NSYNC music. Oh, I didn't know that. And every time I saw it, I'm like, oh, this is going to be so cool. There's going to be some Backstreet Boys in there. There's going to be some NSYNC. Yeah, we're going to so really, really drill this and down. And then the, yeah. the second that they, the first like scene of the film and it's Four Town. And I'm like, who's Four Town? <laughs> Why are there five of them? And I was. Are, are you May's mom? <laughs> I, was, I was very, I was very upset that I, I'm assuming that it probably has something to do it's with contracts, with, yeah, contracts yeah. and all, all sorts of other stuff. But it is just kind of sad that they would kind of do a bait and switch yeah. with, no, with I, I how they were advertising the show. Cause it's like, you know, Maybe. clearly like, or it's still a show, whatever. Carry um, on. But you know, like that was honestly what I knocked it for was the fact that I was going in expecting Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, which I, I like NSYNC. I'm not a big Backstreet Boys fan, but... Um, but it's iconic. Yeah. For, and especially I know for people are yeah. yeah. And, and going into it, and then it's not that, mm-hmm. and the song that they had was not that great. It, it felt like it was a carbon copy of every single boy band song ever, but not quite as good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of felt like um, uh, Zoom, 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 or Supernova Girl from Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century, which Holy was a crap. Disney Channel film. That is a film. deep cut <laughs> that I know... And I hate you for that. <laughs> but that's what it felt like. And no, no, I, I, I literally knocked it three points for that. So so it's interesting because so me going into the film, right? Mm-hmm. I, I saw a couple of posters at the movie theater. I never saw a trailer. I didn't see like, and, and we might get into this in entertainment because I'm, I'm on a Disney. We might need to have a little word with what Disney was doing with this <laughs> and some choices made. Uh, but I didn't have that expectation. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, they kind of wrote some. This is pretty decent. But if I had gone into that thinking that I was going to get like Backstreet's Back All Right or something and then just didn't, yeah, I, I, they wouldn't have gotten an eight from me here. So <laughs> now I'm a little mad. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Joel. All right. Well, uh, I also gave it a seven. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. And, you know, while I, I 
I fully recognize the technical prowess of blending the the traditional Chinese chant with mm-hmm. the the pop music, which I mean, it, it is impressive. Um, however, it the the film as a whole, there was not a central musical theme. No, or there wasn't like any motif or anything. Or any really. motifs, nothing that I could grab onto that would stick into my memory and say, "Aha, that's the score of this film." Yeah. And so ultimately, while everything musically speaking did its job, it was present, it supported the emotion of the scene, it is good. Technically, it is good. Mm -hmm. But I didn't notice it was there. And so it did not, it did not elevate. Go ahead. uh, Well, I was just going to say, I mean, like that, that actually does make quite a bit of sense. Um, just because, yeah, there, there is no overarching main theme because essentially the, the main theme quotation marks of the film is just the boy band, which is the, the core, one of the core plot mechanics Mm -hmm. of, of the film. So it's the, it's the blend of the two cultures and kind of the generations. Mm -hmm. Oh, we have a bug in the studio. (laughs) I thought thought it was a a feather or something. Oh, no, (laughs) no, it's just like a, it's just a mosquito mosquito. Uh, and I mean, that's kind of where my knock for it, because I, I mean, maybe my, my method of going about this is a little weird, but I think whenever you take the bigger risk you take and the more uh, impressive it is that you land it, not that the landing is perfectly clean, but that you land it, the more generous I'm probably going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is probably the source of my, well, this isn't, you know, a nine or a 10 is, yeah, like, could I kind of hum some of the boy band stuff? Sure. But do I, is boy band stuff actually going to stick with me very long? No. And there was no like, you know, there's just nothing that's going to like iconically stick mm-hmm. with you where you say, yeah. oh, yeah, that's Turning Red. Yeah. Oh, that's Maze theme. You know, that's yeah. just, it just wasn't there. Uh, I do think they did a decent job, especially in the spirit realm stuff of kind of letting the music run over. Yeah, run, those those yeah. are very quiet scenes yeah. overall, mm-hmm. except for music. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I might have actually gone a little lower than y'all if I had been bait and switched. Uh, like that on I, I was totally bait and switched and I'm mad about it <laughs> <laughs> okay well it is time to move forward to the plot the yep. big one this is this is the zone of the nitpick <laughs> I'm just happy there's no time travel here <laughs> I mean fair yeah, yeah. time so, travel does make a lot of things generally worse oh boy does it ever so i'm gonna i'm gonna hand this out to joel i'm gonna let this start out low i think yes i think i feel i feel pretty safe saying that this is probably gonna start low this and we'll work our way probably up. definitely gonna start very low so i gave plot a five oh, okay. okay i actually no, i thought it was gonna be lower than that no no i i because there's a lot of really good stuff in here i i really like i said before my favorite part of the whole film is the theming about family dynamics Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really enjoy examining imperfect families because let's be honest, every single one of us comes, families comes from yeah. and propagates imperfect families. Mm-hmm. And taking a look at that with an honest and critical eye to to see what are the results of these particular quirks or sets mm-hmm. of circumstances or how does this carry forward through generations right and then once you kind of incorporate that perspective it can inform you when looking at your own life and looking at the lives of those that you're close to so mm-hmm. that you can understand better what they're going through and and how you can be compassionate to them so i am all about that stuff mm-hmm. but <laughs> <laughs> we get 
basically the entire third act <laughs> and yeah. things just just really start falling apart. So I'm just I got a bullet list here. So <laughs> we're going to we're going to go down our bullet list. Um, He's come prepared. So so the first big thing is that when we we discover that when May's father said that her mother's panda was big, it was the the most egregious understatement in history. <laughs> and she's the size of Godzilla, right? And she might actually be bigger than Godzilla <laughs> if we're if we get really depends on what version. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> but like we are let so he said she wrecked half the temple. The temple is like a quarter the size of her. The, the temple is like her footprint, <laughs> right? basically. Yeah. And then we're also led to believe that this one kind of scratch claw mark on her mother's face was from her, which now that we see what size that she was, must have just been a splinter from the half of the just, temple. Just that the she absolute, just, absolute well, flick of the temple. I mean, claw. I mean, no, no, that that is that is that is a nit. That I, is. I that is absolutely a nit. Moving on, though, I'm going to come back to that one. Um, That's fine. So the the bigger problem is that the way that the ritual is set up to set up tension for the big decision that May has to make mm-hmm. is that it is couched in the terms of this is your only chance to ever do this. If you miss this window, mm-hmm. you will never be able to get rid of the panda. And so it is so important that she she does this right, right? Like that's right. where all the pressure is. And then at the the end of the film we have every single one of the women in her family take off their pendants and smash them and transform back into pandas to help re-banish her mother's panda because apparently you can do it twice and so there really wasn't a big deal in the first place and so all of them do it again so it completely undoes the the time pressure element from the second act that it has to be the ritual has to right. be the same night as the concert. Right. Yeah. Well, that's... okay. So they, they alluded um, at the beginning that they could do it again. However, it would be harder to perform. That is in there. And it is, it is possible for you to take that, that through line. It is, it is not the emotional tone of how it's presented. And so it, it, it feels like it yeah, undermines. It, well, but that's the thing, though, is they're, they're talking to a, a, a teenage girl and they, they are trying to explain to her because, her because this is happening to her and she is clearly not in control of her emotions because she can't control the panda. Mm-hmm. And if you can't control the panda, it is emphatically dangerous mm-hmm. and to, to her and to other people. So at some level you have, I mean, like you have to kind of put the fear of God into someone to, to basically say, sure, you sure. know, like, like, like okay, you so have to do this. If hold, you don't do this, here, there on. could be bad consequences to this. Hold on. I'm going to step in. Cause I think maybe I can, maybe I can support or, or better explain Joel's point here. So that wasn't my, I have, I have similar issues here. That was not my issue with it. Cause like, yeah, absolutely. If you want to convince a teenager to do anything, you either are really crafty or you are full on fear of God. And we know which side this family falls on. It's, yeah. it's the overbearing. My, my issue with that particular moment, because like I can totally accept the concept of, well, if you don't follow through with the ritual or if you are constantly transforming the ability to give this up, it gets harder and harder, right? Because yeah. it becomes more and more of you. Mm-hmm. My issue was kind of the... I don't want to say presentation of this choice for 
I assume they're all ants. The rest of the family. So so yeah. mother has transformed. Yeah, sisters. It's all it's all ants, yeah. Mother has transformed. They go to help her. And that moment of them all like making the choice of well, we're gonna break our mm-hmm. charms, it was less of a, hey, we're taking a risk here, and more of a Sailor Moon transformation. And that that fits the whole idea that they're a Sentai team. Yeah. It just doesn't fit the weight of hey, there's risks or possible ramifications on the other side of this. Well, so, and, in, in, you know, the, the counter to that is essentially they are, they are older. They have lived with, the no, with this kind of knowledge for, for many, many years. Well, well they, 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 don't, they don't have any experience, though, because they gave it up as soon as they could. Yeah, they, they gave it up meaning, 40 meaning that years the, ago. Meaning that the, the panda inside of them is actually not that strong. But, like, they also don't know how to handle it. Yeah, they, they because they, they they have a they they have consciously chosen not to deal with it. Yeah, like there 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 are some issues. It's not it's not earth yeah, shattering. No, no, yeah. It's just kind of it's like just, this thing of because like mm-hmm. I have I have this whole laundry list, and it's like each individual point by itself is you know that's a yeah. little problem. You, you can you right, keep right. going. Okay, keep going. so next big thing: she tears the top of the Superdome, and no one dies. Right? No, there's, there's there's no real consequences. Right? Like the utter. In total lack of consequence for what should have been a like national terrorist level event. <laughs> well, also is, is just like completely breaks any immersion. It's for, Canada for me. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably the only comeback that I would actually accept. <laughs> Dog, doggone Paul Bunyan at it again. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. But, I got I to take a minute. But no, I got I to gotta agree with this My one. My friend Matt's going to be mad at me. <laughs> but I got to agree with this one, right? Because when the dad talks to May and he's like, oh, no, it was, it was big. I was like, okay. All right. So it's just going to be bigger than her. And then it transforms. Like, oh, no, it's Godzilla. It's like, but when this happened, well, however far back, like that's national news by itself. That is, you know, this well, is, you're on the, the, the list or like in a, think tank yeah, study I mean, center whatever being dissected you could you could also argue because again this is a soft magic system if we're getting super pedantic here it's um not really because it's it's given well, very specific it, it actually rules. has some fairly specific well rules, it has so. specific rules but it there there is no indication that that there is any reason why she is that large besides the fact that she is so angry. angry. You don't, you don't know that the f- the first transformation was yeah. that scale. And that, that's the thing is like, I'm, I'm almost 99.9% positive that it is. It's not that whenever she, you know, back in the day, um, whenever she attacked her mom, she was not that large. It's the fact that she was so angry at, well, and at May's don't, betrayal. I, I don't think that that's supported by the father's reaction. Because like he's just like I told you she was big, right? Like he he to him that is not a surprise. That is not any different from his experience. But but he also knows her in and out, and he like he like I feel like oh you're my. I feel like you're reaching. I, mm, I feel like you're reaching. No, I this is this is a little reach. It's just uh, it's it's one of those things where like we can we can but, th- but fan theory it. But there's not like a like lot you can you can you can talk there. back and forth. But my my biggest problem is that if you make her a little bit bigger and a lot nastier mm-hmm. than the other pandas all 80% of the plot problems completely disappear that, i mean that, i i don't disagree and yeah. and and you get you get you get to have an actual metaphor of their 
physical confrontation standing for something in their emotional relationship, whereas you just didn't in the way that it was executed. I'm going to let you continue, but there's also a missed opportunity in that as well. And it, it relates really more back to your, your prior point, mm-hmm. but just kind of hit on me was we also missed the opportunity of, well, the, the aunts and grandmother don't have as much experience with this form. So there was kind of a missed opportunity there for May to kind of be the matriarch in that moment because yeah. she has the most recent experience and kind of maybe they come out and the she's, gate. she's the only one that's embraced the experience. Right. They come yeah. out the gate and they're not maybe as settled. And then she has the chance to be like, listen, 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 you know, and that's because she's because she's figured out the whole like transforming how do I to get leap back thing. and, and mm-hmm. yeah, well, we'll get into that one. Um, <laughs> But but that that's I'm not saying that that's like a plot issue, more just a missed opportunity to to kind of continue the role reversal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's just it. Just it didn't it didn't really hit on me until just now because we've been kind of hitting mm-hmm. hitting around it, and it was like, oh yeah, that that would have really I think that would have amped it, especially if you bring the mother down a little bit, so it's more reasonable for them to have the moment of, hey, like you got to you know do this or whatever. Yeah. But Anyways. but anyway, they they very clearly at the very end make national or probably international news. You would think. And there is, there's essentially zero repercussion whatsoever. They, they are, they're allowed to continue doing stuff at their, uh, their temple. So like nobody's coming at them for, <laughs> for whatever, monetary whatever compensation. Canada calls no, their Homeland Security. No, no government is coming at them well, to be like, have? you are really dangerous. At any moment, you could just decide to break your Tamagotchi and be Godzilla. <laughs> they, they, they have the, you know, they have the collection plate. They they actually almost they, they, they are I mean, they are out of the goodness of their hearts trying they, to, they to act, repay they their actions. They actually almost go too far with it by kind of making it light and funny. Yeah, and, but and, like. We'll right, but like there's there's no there's no form of there. of national or or like at this scale international authority coming after them and saying you're a problem because they're a problem. Yeah, like like the the end credit scene should have been Nick Fury. Yeah, right. Right, like but, just being honest here. But like if she's not Godzilla and she's just a polar bear, you know, yeah, <laughs> then then you can you can pull back that scale mm-hmm. and everything makes a lot more sense. So. I I just thought that the third act for for just just making sense and for for the whole thing to have continuity was just a complete miss. Cool. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to build up. We're gonna increase the frequency of Andrew's vibration, and I'm gonna go next. <laughs> We're gonna amp this up a little bit. Yeah. So, so I'm really I, not that keyed up. I know. I know. It's just funny because I keep watching it. You just kind of like your legs are going and. This it's it's sad. This is just a podcast and not a video cast because it'd be really entertaining. <laughs> Even for me, just to go back and watch again and be like, "Yep, yep, there's the moment there. I saw that eye twitch." <laughs> so, so I gave plot a seven. Okay, and so, and this isn't maybe a, a knock so much as just a there's nothing new there piece here. Not not the whole movie, but just what I'm about to say. The, the core piece of it, it, not the relationship, but the core piece of plot of the whole, like, we're going to go to the, the concert that our parents said we couldn't go to. and We're going to raise the funds. This is this is a Saved by the Bell episode or any kind of 90s, 30 minute sitcom TV show type thing. And it just like I, there's there's this weird crisscross of like, well, is it am I being nostalgia baited? 
or is this just kind of referential or I'm not sure. So I felt like maybe just out the gate, it's not, it's, this isn't a negative. It's just not a positive. It was just an interesting thing to choose. It is for many, it is coming of age and yeah. goofy movie reversed, right? Uh, which I didn't see until I was an adult when the concept of going to a concert would have actually meant something to me. Uh, anyways, <laughs> turns out goofy movie also resonated with me quite a bit. Goofy movie, goofy movie resonated with me when I was older, just because of the, the interpersonal relationship stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyways, fantastic film, a fantastic film. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get to that one day. Uh, so almost all of my negatives come in the third act. And this was kind of a, and, and when we hit entertainment and stuff, we'll, we'll get into this, but it's not that like, I was like, you know, edge of my seat. This was so great. And then it was crushing. It was just kind of like, okay, like we've been, we've been going along and it's decent and I'm not hating it. And there's, there's good things to love here, but I want to see how they finish. Oh, this is how we're going to finish. We had that moment of, you know, this was however many episodes of WandaVision. And then we just got the Marvel CGI fight at the end. And it was just like, <laughs> we were, we, we had something here and we were going somewhere with the whole interpersonal relationship thing. And now we're just, oh man, we need it. We need to get to the concert quick. Well, you know what she could do? She's Spider-Man now and she can just, uh, you know, or Nightcrawler and she can just kind of boopity boppity. She's, web slinging with no tall buildings around and it's okay because she's a panda what what is going on right here moment of well we just have to get her to the concert well how do we do it well she's just gonna bibbity boobity boppity as she goes along and be there okay that's okay at that moment i was kind of like we're we're are we headed to superhero? And I then, think I think what they were trying to go for was a conservation of momentum through instantaneously changing by, by she's moment, getting bigger mm-hmm. except that they got it backwards yeah, she would have slowed down. Yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> uh, it is Disney. Pixar. <laughs> Pixar. Oh, <laughs> Got to keep them straight. It's hard sometimes. Yeah. Even though it's the same, but different, but still, still same. Still same, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the third, so, and this is, this is opportunity cost stuff, right? I just kind of, I touched on it a little earlier, Joel, when you were going about that we didn't get the, the teaching moment to let her be kind of the matriarch in the moment. Mm-hmm. And she gets the moment later in the spirit realm to kind of be the mother mm-hmm. and make the, you know, Oh, well, I understand kind of thing, you know, to yeah. her mom as a tween. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, f- I really feel like there is a really big missed opportunity here. So Encanto, we're going to go back to it. There are a ton of other movies now that Disney and Pixar combined have put out where we haven't really had a villain, Right. We've had a protagonist and an antagonist because if you don't have that, it's really hard to have a story. Yeah. But we don't have a true villain, right? No one is actively plotting against. It's just Correct. a mother being a mother mm-hmm. or a grandmother being a grandmother, et cetera, et cetera. And you actually have to go all the way back, depending on how you want to look at Coco, mm-hmm. to probably The Incredibles 2, 2018, almost four years to get a true villain in a Disney or Pixar production, mm-hmm. which was actually kind of amazing to me going back through it. So it's interesting to see that shift in storytelling and I'm not saying it's bad. I think they whiffed on a chance to really do something cool or maybe not cool because it would have still been more in Kanto, but whatever. I, I really wish there was an alternate timeline where these movies were released in different orders and see what the scores would have been. But when 
her father is looking at the home video, right? Mm-hmm. And it's happy and she's making use of the panda and it's a it's a positive thing. Yeah. And it's very obviously a part of her and her friend's relationship. And then he talks to to May and, you know, oh, you know, she was big, blah, blah, blah. So I don't want to say that the father is irrelevant to the story because I like the bits he got and what he did and whatnot. But I feel like if he had almost basically not existed in the story, it would have been okay. Because I think I would have preferred, I, I really wish that the moment the grandmother lands in Toronto, she is the antagonist. She is some, but she kind of reinforces while also putting down mm-hmm. May's mom. I think there was a mischance there for that interaction of May and May's dad to have been her mother, where she's kind of, now that her mother is here and she's kind of put back in the situation of being May, she sees that connection and there is a chance for it. I'm not saying the final fight needs to be the grandmother's giant kaiju panda, <laughs> uh, but I, I feel like there is a, a missed opportunity for a connection there in the story and i know i'm not really expressing this great but just a moment for because the acceptance is while there is kind of the acceptance in the spirit realm that goes both ways i i really wish we could have seen it slightly earlier the the beginnings of the well i i i see more of who you are but now we have grandmother here and grandmother is you know straight line forcing you know traditional music right yeah kind of thing and so I, I view that more as kind of a missed opportunity because I didn't, it's not that I didn't like it. You know, I'm, I gave it a seven. It's not, you know, Joel hit most of my points in the third act where I was just kind of like, what are y'all doing? Uh, it's just, there was a chance to really land this hard. And, and I, they kind of, it's almost like, again, they, they did the Marvel thing. They went to kind of a safe third act of, well, it's time to fight the big monster. And there's just a lot of lost opportunity in that. So it just didn't, hit as hard as it could have mm-hmm. and i mean the final bits in the spirit realm and that kind of thing that's pretty that's that's the most emotional yeah well, i mean it's, it's, it's the climax be, it's yeah, supposed it's to, be, to be right it's just prior to that it was just giant monster fight like there aren't like there should be emotion in that and may is like selling out or, or her i forgot the actress's name but her actress is selling out to that emotion of you know I like, yeah thank you <laughs> i like this music and you know i I can gyrate. <laughs> uh, so my my final knock is just there was humor, but there wasn't really humor, and it was kind of strange, right? So uh, a thing that a, a lot of internet pundits or whoever you want to look at complain about, right? The the period jokes mm-hmm. that was the best humor in the movie, and it was good humor. It's just there wasn't a whole lot else through it to kind of keep up some of that energy and I, I i think it really missed some of that because so we have the conscious choice this is entertainment i'm gonna hold off on this discussion i'm gonna hand it to andrew and let's talk plot <laughs> some more <laughs> okay uh so we're just going up um That's i gave fine. it a nine okay um so probably my my biggest thing i i don't disagree with the with some of the problems that are in the third act however um, them basically just paying homage to kaiju and super super sentai style films, and and the resolution for those conflicts is generally like kind of a, a good outweigh 
for a lot of this kind of thing. I mean, it's a Disney film. We already know that Pixar. whenever she picks art, it's still Disney. <laughs> um, but but whenever it's whenever school, you, I mean, you, you know, whenever whenever she, me for that. Uh, whenever her mom is breaking into the stadium, you know, no one's gonna die. It doesn't matter. Like like this is like you know what you're getting into when you're watching the when you're watching a specific type of film, and this is a specific type of film that is an animated Pixar slash Disney film that you are you are not this like it, it's it's not as bad as the fake out of toy story 3 where you think they're all gonna die and then they don't spoilers jeez andrew <laughs> just give it away why don't the movie's you? been out for like 12 years <laughs> no it's fine no and you're not wrong it is not like it's the, it's not this egregious fake out to where you feel that something is like you know exactly what's going to happen before it's going to happen and 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 that is more of the formula of a disney slash pixar film not that i mean it's just that's just the style of film okay anyways moving on so what i actually the one thing that actually kind of did bother me and maybe this is just because of the fact that i was in a a relatively large middle school Mm -hmm. at oak mountain i think we had probably 450 kids or something in our our eighth grade class. I, I can't even remember. Yeah. Um, a lot of kids. Yeah. And with a lot of kids, that means that there is a lot of people that probably don't like you. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of mouths, a, a lot of, a lot of people that just don't like you. <laughs> and with that, any kind of change or, um, uh, or, I guess anything that is weird about you mm-hmm. is going to be amplified mm-hmm. and not in a good way. Nope. And the one thing that, that really took me out initially was the fact that whenever her classmates found out that she is this big, cute, fluffy red panda, they immediately went to loving and adoring mm-hmm. and worshiping. Mm-hmm. Whereas in reality, um, anything that Shun. is different Shun. will be shunned Shun. and yeah. um, and just completely decimated socially mm-hmm. because that is just the nature of middle school. Well, and also the whole we run the the underground funding ring of get a panda photo. <laughs> there is no way that the principal wouldn't find out about that in a day. Even and I, I, they you know they pushed the setting back to two thousand two, mm-hmm. so you don't have Facebook and Instagram yeah. and TikTok and whatnot. But it doesn't matter. The, there is no way those kids wouldn't blabber or the principal wouldn't just be like, sure, there's a lot of panda merch coming out of that room. I wonder <laughs> what's in there. You know, like the the method of the funding is just because, again, it's middle school and kids don't know how to keep their mouth shut just by default. Like they, they have the whole threat of Tyler's like, oh, I'm going to reveal what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like he shouldn't have to threaten this. They sh- everyone should already know yeah. because there's just no way to keep middle schoolers quiet. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, like that was, that was probably my biggest thing that, that just like took me out of the film for the most part was just because of how, um, I was just like, wow, that is not how it would work in Oak Mountain because like if, if someone was a red panda, you would just, you would, and, and you were, it was only known within the kids. Like you would just, oh, it would just not be pretty. No, kids are jackals. Yeah. Like, and, and any weakness within the group is just absolutely preyed upon. Yeah. It's ridiculously insane how true that is across scopes <laughs> yeah okay so moving to to the stuff that i actually did like mm-hmm. um it is um i did feel that the that her experience from from just kind of like the trials and tribulations of just growing up with um 
you know, high expectations from your family uh, and and trying to balance a a friend and family life is something that, you know, I think a lot of people can can kind of connect with. And especially during those kind of years where you are trying to become your own person, mm-hmm. but then you also have the, you know, the people that essentially you've been living with for the past 13 years and their expectations of kind of the type of person that they think you are. And then, you know, you have a completely different side of you, not necessarily a bad one, because, you know, you have to, you know, and kind of the whole point of the film is to accept every part, you know, accept accept the weird parts and accept the, you know, the traditional parts that come from your family Mm -hmm. and, um, and then also be accepting of your friends and, and whatnot. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, whenever I see on online, a lot of people that are you know, like knocking is like, well, I just didn't, I just didn't understand, mm-hmm. you know, like why one, like I just, I, it's a 13 year old girl. How could I empathize with this? And it's like, well, that's kind of the point is like everyone, if you didn't, if you don't empathize with this, then you probably just didn't have a, a middle school or high school experience. Or, or you were the bully. I actually, yeah, or you were, you were the bully. I actually yeah. literally didn't have a middle school or high school experience. Well, there we oh, go. That, <laughs> you know what? That's a great point. That's man. This is weird because we have like the middle school of zero. Right. Yeah. And I was I was the only uh if you count middle school as only two years, then I didn't have any overlap with my little brother. So I was the only yeah. middle school. The, the middle the yeah. middle school of eighteen and the middle school of four hundred and fifty. Yeah, like yeah. and it's and, and like that that obviously carries over quite a bit in how this film is received for, mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And I'm not saying that that, you know, your opinion is is wrong. Because that's just, I mean, like you have a completely different perspective than I did. I, you know, I just, I went to a public, public middle school and high school that just Mm -hmm. had a ton of people Mm -hmm. and it was a meat grinder. You just had to kind of survive the best way you could and you had to find your friends um, and, you know, basically not alienate yourself to be so weird and Mm -hmm. so out there that you would just get ostracized Mm -hmm. for, you know, years to come because of that one time that, you know, you said something weird and the cafeteria Mm -hmm. and you know and and like that kind of thing is like whenever i see a film like this uh, or like even goofy movie or or, you know any of these kind of coming of age stories like they they really hit home because like that was basically you know what a lot of stuff i experienced you know i well I, i really liked your point about how as soon as there's anything different or weird about you right everyone like pinpoints that because i mean i you know, again, I went to a very different middle school than you. Mm-hmm. Catholic middle school. We wore uniforms, right? Yeah. The only piece of article of clothing that you could wear that could be different from what everyone else was wearing was your shoes. <laughs> and you better believe that is something that all the kids picked out on and singled out kids over. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, like we all were, we're all wearing the same shirts. We all have to wear the same shorts. Like, nope, found the difference. Or, or your haircut, right? Mm-hmm. Because... It's it's weird because it was kind of strict, but also not strict. You, you no one showed up with like pink hair or something. Yeah. But if you know, like, oh, well, you just got a bowl cut or something. You know, that was actually I'm pretty sure in my era of middle school bowl cuts were everywhere. You didn't get a bowl cut. What's wrong with you, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that's, it was funny when you pick up on that, and it's kind of mm-hmm. like that. The middle school hit me again. It's like, oh yeah, the shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's just 
it's just different experiences from childhood. Mm. And, you know, that obviously reflects in, in a lot of our scores and how we kind of accept certain elements of the plot or, or entertainment value and that kind of well, thing. That's, yeah, enter- entertainment, I think, is where it's... Yeah. I, yeah, I actually we'll, feel like most of the scores we tossed out here were all reasonable yeah. on the technical side. Mm-hmm. Right. More yeah, so it, than it, I... It wasn't... Yeah, I was actually surprised. It wasn't until the plot that we actually really diverged. Yeah. Well, well and I think it, it really shows that the score wasn't an issue of oh, well, like Andrew was just slapping tens on the wall and Joel's over here throwing threes. It was just, well, we were mostly all the same and mm-hmm. then the slight divergences pull it slightly off, right? Like yeah. Was, I mean, and even the divergences kind of average out to where we already were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Well, yeah, and, you know, and, and that's just that's just kind of part of it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I was more forgiving with a lot of the later act stuff just because mm-hmm. I, you know, kaiju films and Super Sentai and, you know, like, you know, I... I drew Dragon Ball Z on a notebook when I was a kid. Like, I mean, that's mm-hmm. just what you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the sketches were really because you know Lauren sitting on the on the couch was just like, oh gosh, every girl drew these kind of cringy things in their notebooks, and, and I was kind of like, I mean, every guy I knew was was trying to imitate you know Dragon Ball Dragon Z, Ball Z or, or Batman. Or, yeah, yeah, and, I mean, and we were all terrible, we you know. It's just, but that that's such a thing. I of, still have my I still have my binder that has all my drawings. No, in it. I don't. I I do have <laughs> some drawings of Gundams. Mm-hmm. If if I can remember, I'll find those at some point. I'll share those. I'll share those with the with the uh, the, the, the Gundam chat. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you know, so we can probably just move on to to entertainment. Yeah, let's um, let's just let's plow. You know, I mean, we already know what I had. It was a nine. Pretty much everything I just kind of talked about is one of the reasons mm-hmm. you know why I found it. Like it's it's definitely. A f- I mean, I watched it last night again. I mean, I was working while doing it. It mm-hmm. was more through osmosis, but like I, you know, I still would would tune in every time. You know, I knew a, a part that I enjoyed was coming up, and. um you know, it's it was just definitely one of those one of those films where, uh, you know, it hit, it hit me really hard. Um, mm-hmm. Just you know, just because I grew up in, um, you know, obviously not in an Asian household. I'm you know just a just a white guy. white white guy. But you know, at, at the end of the day, like a lot of those experiences do carry over, and I think that was kind of the point of the film. Right. I'm gonna jump in here, and I'm just gonna just just go ahead and just put it down. I gave it a five. Okay. So. Yeah, this is this is kind of going back to the whole like, am I the target of this? Mm-hmm. But like, one, I really don't want to le- relive middle or high school. <laughs> and obviously, as as y'all could tell, I was pulling in both. Yeah. Like, I could like just the hallway, I could feel both. So I feel the pressure. Oh my gosh, I don't. <laughs> oh man, you make my shoulders bind up. I I don't want anything to do. Like, cringe comedy is not my thing. Mm-hmm. And while what they with kind of like the the embrace of the cringe, I think they did a good job with the embrace. But it's just not. I don't want it. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, and then, of course, the whole like concert as a quest thing. Yeah. It's just kind of a miss for me just in general. Yeah. So, well, you know, you, you had you, like you never had that kind of, you know, unobtainable concert to go to. No, it was actually the fact that I was going to be forced out into the hot sun for yeah, exactly. yeah, six no, they, hours. No. And I don't listening to music. I didn't really care about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I have a I have a weird I don't want to call it theory here or whatever, but. I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna propose who the target audience is. I'm gonna back it up a little bit, maybe. Okay. I'm pretty sure the target audience isn't kids. Just gonna be honest. Yeah. No, I'm, it's it's us. It, it is. Well, it's it's not us. It is mid to late twenties to early thirties women who are either our mothers or want to be mothers, and it's kind of a I don't want to call it a parenting lesson, but it's definitely a story about parenting and 
the, I don't want to say ramifications mm-hmm. that can happen within it, but that kind of level. Well, it's, it's kind of helicopter parent, um, I think is the term. Yeah. I, well, it's, it's more than that there, cause there is the element of being all up in her space. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's also the element of pressure to perform. Yeah. And those are, those are two different issues. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, heli- the, the only parent here actually has information. <laughs> yeah, hel- helicopter parent really isn't a pressure to perform. It's always a, oh, it's all right, baby. Uh, mama, make it right. Okay, yeah. That's that's, I mean, that's, that's that's what I... I don't have kids. I have cats. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, this was... I'm a helicopter parent for a cat. This was, a, this was, <laughs> this was the high school experience. Anyways, um, not my parents, other parents. <laughs> um, yeah, anyways, actual parent. Continue. 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 Educate okay. us. So I, <laughs> I, I gave it a five okay. On, okay. on, on entertainment value. I, which, which is to say I, I liked as many things as I disliked. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's no, kinda, that's kinda, totally fair. And, and we're going to, I want to, I want to kind of put the, the family dynamics on the table because that's the stuff I really liked mm-hmm. and, and we're going to come back to that. Okay. But, um, you know, the, the. There were several major themes in here besides the family dynamic stuff. There was the the concert craze stuff. Mm. Does I mean I I just that is not a part of anything that I want to do. And so <laughs> Joel is probably the most introverted out of both out of all so, three of us. So that's yeah, that's pretty reliable. So that's so that's a hook that just has nothing to. There's no, no there's no Velcro. There. Yeah. Yeah. There's no Velcro for it to catch on. And <laughs> um and then there is the public school experience. I have never attended a public school. That yeah. is. A hook that has no Velcro to catch we have, on. We have we have the homeschooled until college, right? Right. Yeah. Um, then we have a very different set of experiences. We, it's actually really pretty. Do. It's actually pretty entertaining. Uh, and there, there is, there is the theme. You know, they they kind of use a little bit of cringy humor, which is you know, I, uh, to to talk about. Come back to that. The the um you know the 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 biological coming of age in the the fem- the feminine experience. And that was fine. And the 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 mom literally like stalking outside the classroom is just a, like it's a okay I I get it, but that's maybe just just a hair into kind of a really really. But but it, anyway, well, it compare it to again. We'll go back to Spider Verse, right? Compare it to his dad dropping him off, right? Mm-hmm. And, and he has to go through, and it's still the huge embarrassment moment, but it's the whoop whoop. Say it, yeah. Right. <laughs> say, say I love you back. To yeah, me. and that, right? that's interesting because that's that that one plays, uh-huh. and I think it has to do with the 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 level of intrusiveness of the parent in terms of intruding on the child and their like the 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 autonomy and dignity that they want to project to their peers. It's the same experience, mm-hmm. but one of those was actively getting in trouble with the school authorities and the other one was not right was was, was yeah the authority uh, but anyway like like <laughs> yeah, i am the law i am but, the law but more more than all of that i i really did not like the animation style um like the wallace and gromit faces and the super overt um e- emotion demonstration particularly in the squad of girlfriends um it it was just it it just took me out of the experience because it was it felt not the way that real people act. It's I think it's this kind of goes back to um, we've had these conversations. I don't know if we've had them on the podcast before, but the same conversations of um, how you don't like when anime actually turns into anime, 
Right, where there's, where, where, there's, where there's overexpression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like yeah. everything becomes chibi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, I have a tough time with that too. That that probably, the Wallace and Gromit thing, I don't know. It. I get the, the idea of it, right? I mentioned that earlier, that it's a quick way to sell kind of the the awkwardness because mm-hmm. that is it's the British awkward humor. Yeah. And it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I actually asked, I was like, did, did someone from Wallace and Gromit work on this or did they just adopt this style? Because that kind of, they kind of, I don't know, I almost say it rubs me the wrong way, but it kind of hits wrong because it didn't feel so much as an homage as it did just. Well, and they, they really only did it for the kids. For because, the little bit, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, like, you know, the kids are meant to still have, you know, some of their baby fat and, you know, chubby cheeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and meant to be awkward and over-expressive, and over-expressive yeah. because that's pretty much all kids have. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna... That's not how my seven-year-old expresses emotions, but. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Actual parent experience. No way. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab it back for a moment. Go back, go back to what I was kind of building up sure. before. Because like, so I don't think the movie was directed for kids or it was made for kids at all. No. And I think that's an interesting play. And I think it kind of played into the whole, it wasn't very marketed much. And then they kind of moved it out of the theater release. Yeah. Not having a theater release is unfortunate. It's a choice. Yeah. I don't, I don't. It's, it's probably because, um, they probably didn't know when it was going to release. Maybe. I mean, you know, of course the standard answer was they, they got to blame COVID because you yeah. know, that's the cop out, but that's a cop. That's totally a cop out at, at this, this point. point. Yeah. Uh, so, and I'm, this is purely anecdotal evidence, but it was interesting because again, going back to Encanto, right? So Encanto can really, it still has kind of the, some of the similar themes from the same hit mm-hmm. emotional hit, but it does play off for kids, right? You got the songs, uh, that that's that is something that that they're just gonna kill, right? Frozen existed for a reason, right? Let yeah. it go was Smash. You know, we don't talk about mm-hmm. Bruno was Smash. Like that is going to hit with kids. I mean, my niece, I, I, I don't know. Want to say that I feel for my sister, but I have. I'm not certain <laughs> how many times that movie has been played in their household. <laughs> so my niece was in town staying with the grandparents, my mm-hmm. parents recently, and my mom asked my sister, "Well, what about Turning Red?" and I, I think my sister maybe hit hit it wrong, like my, that my mom was like concerned, like, you know, oh, read the article about, mm-hmm. oh, it's, it's not appropriate or something like that. And my sister's like, no, you know, she's kind of a misunderstanding. And my mom was like, no, no, does she like it? Because my mom's looking for something to put on TV. Yeah. yeah. And and my sister's just like, well, we watched it once, but she just wasn't that interested. And, you know, I mean, she, she, liked, she liked the panda, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that the movie really tried to sell itself on that. And mm-hmm. that's where you get the whole, oh, oh, so fluffy. We get the big yeah. anime eyes. And I, I really think that movie tried to sell itself on, oh, we're going to carry ourselves with the strength of the cute of the panda. Yeah. And as a result, like we got some good humor. The, the whole period thing was great humor. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who is going to have to experience that, I, I feel for you. And I am right there with the dad. Good luck. Um, but but for most of the movie while there is some good little 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 humorous beats Mm -hmm. almost up until the point where you hit the whole like gyrating thing from the mother and then it's thrown back at her by me there's almost not really much humor in it it's it's just kind of a movie Mm -hmm. and that coupled with you know the lack of songs i think that that ultimately it hurts my entertainment for sure Mm -hmm. and i think that really hurts it its chances with kids i think that's an interesting 
thing. I I really wonder if coming off Encanto, you know, Disney and Pixar were looking at this and going, well, you know, maybe this isn't going to be quite what we think it's going to be. We'll just it'll, it'll go to streaming, and of yeah. course, that's going to upset people as well. Mm-hmm. And it's a choice. I, I has Pixar ever done any musicals? They don't do so. Yeah, Pixar doesn't know. do musicals. Yeah, Disney does musical. Disney has the Want song. Mm-hmm. Pixar gets to animate things in three D. Yeah. That's the, I don't know. Pixar gets something. I'm not sure what it is, but it's, it's not the want song. The mm-hmm. want song is Disney. Uh, but they have found other ways, right? I mean, obviously like, you know, oh yeah, well, Toy Story didn't do so well because, you know, Woody didn't burst and so no, it didn't happen. They, they made mm-hmm. it work, right? The storytelling made it happen. And with um, Turning Red, I think they tried some, they had the kind of the, uh, I'm going to mess up the term, diegetic mm-hmm. music where the characters are singing it, right? Yeah. And you know what? If that had been in sync or Backstreet Boys, it might have hit a little better. Yeah, but it wasn't. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm super salty. I'm gonna carry that with me for a while. I could have, I could have bumped the a couple of scores down for that. <laughs> Please don't. I, well, I, I can't now. I mean, it's locked in stone. It's just, <laughs> it's yeah. in the code vault. So, sometimes no, the, the vault. Yes. Sometimes <laughs> it's nice to not watch trailers because then you don't build up any well it's, it wasn't even the the trailer um it was more um of the the social media marketing mm. that i didn't see any that just had excerpts of just like not even a scene just like a couple lines and mm. then backstreet boys or instinct music oh. mm. see further proof that i am not the target demographic of this movie i didn't see any social media marketing <laughs> for this the only marketing i saw for this movie was on a poster when we were on the wall of the theater that it didn't even release it when we were leaving the batman i was like oh yeah that's a movie that's coming out <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah you know it's uh, you know I, obviously we all had differing experiences uh throughout life which possibly could have affected our our overall enjoyment yeah, sure. and interpretation of this yeah well it's it's funny because you know going into this i knew you loved it mm-hmm. i knew how i felt about it and I had a thought, I had a feeling about how I thought Joel would feel about it. Well, most of the time, if Joel doesn't say anything in chat, that probably means he doesn't enjoy it. That's a, that's a good point. I'm going to remember that. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't consider. It's a trend. I didn't consider. I'm going to have to adjust my practices. Oh, no. <laughs> Why did you? The, see, one teenage girl that's in the man suit here can keep talking to us. And the other one's taking notes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, like, now I know I have a tell. And I'm going to work on that. <laughs> But I'll find it out. <laughs> yeah, I had. Yeah, this I, was great. Two, three. <laughs> I'll give him one seven. <laughs> I'll give him as a treat. We'll start spectacle. Oh yeah, you know it's a seven. It was good. Oh, I'm setting you up. But I didn't even consider the the fact that you know what our middle school experiences were mm-hmm. going to be so because like for you, different. It just doesn't connect. Yeah. For me, it connects too well. I don't want that. Like, get <laughs> off of me. I don't want this connection. And for Andrew, Andrew's just like, oh, I feel you, girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I, I thought that was fun. I didn't expect that just because I didn't consider it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am, I am glad that it came up and that it was relevant, I guess. It, it, something else, too, that it, um, my empathy for, for these kind of, uh, I'll say, middle school and high school plights mm-hmm. um, may be um, – uh, amplified because my m- most of the anime that I watch is generally slice of, slice life, of life and most slice of life generally takes place in around the high school, middle school mm-hmm. age. And, you know, some, some of it's good, some of it's bad, but uh, <laughs> a lot of, you know, but there are, you know, 
a lot of those kind of experiences, you know, just kind of just hit differently because I'm just used to seeing it. Mm -hmm. Whereas, I mean, this was a very different style Pixar film than what we're used to seeing. Very much so. And because of that, I think, I think there's going to be a kind of a knee, not a knee jerk reaction, but a little bit of a, you know, kind of step back and, and kind of look at it from, you're like, Oh, this is, this isn't, you know, what I'm used to seeing from a Pixar film. Mm -hmm. Like maybe, you know, if it was Disney, it would be a little bit different or it would be maybe a little bit more, people would be more accepting of it. Well, Maybe. and I think you can soften that blow as a Disney film because you get to have the music, right? Mm-hmm. You can, you can, I, again, it's the Encanto thing. You have similar discussion, but you get to scale over it because we're going to, we're going to make, we don't talk about Bruno a smash hit in the process, right? Yeah. Like it's going to stick with you. And, you know, for being boy band music, it didn't stick with you. That's the whole purpose of boy band music is that it gets stuck in your head. Yeah. It yeah. And it just, it just wasn't a catch, a, a, enough of a catchy theme for it to hold on yeah. and, and hook you. But I do find it funny because, like, you're referencing, like, you know, slice of life anime. Mm-hmm. And what bits and pieces of that I've consumed, I generally I don't get the same horror level from. I mm-hmm. think just because Japanese high school is so different from American high school. It is very different. Is a, and it's more of just an experience of, oh, like, you know, oh, clubs or, oh, you know, like the the way that they interact with, like, classes and stuff is just so much different that for me it's just an experience that I don't. You, you still get the bullies and mm-hmm. these kinds of things, but I just don't get the same level of, ugh. Yeah. So that is that is actually funny. Um, but anyways, I think, guys, unless you all have something more to add, that is all the time we have for this episode. So until next time, I'm Steven. I'm Andrew. And I'm Joel. And as always, every spoiler was intended. Thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard, you can support the show for as low as $1 at patreon.com slash spoilers intended podcast. We also have a discord server and would love to have more people joining in the conversation. Links are in the description below. Thank you.